You're listening to Extra Innings with entrepreneur, author, and CEO, Jay Myers. Welcome to Extra Innings. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and Extra Innings is a podcast designed to speak to entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders all across the United States. And today, I am particularly thrilled to have as our guest, Coach Darren Schoenrock, the coach of the Memphis Tiger baseball team. Uh, coach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay, and, and, and thanks so much for asking me to join you. Uh, you know, some, one of somebody that's such a dear friend of mine, it's an, it's an honor to get to do something like this with you. Well, I uh, likewise, and it's just fun to, to be able to do a podcast with a friend. And you just have a, such a fascinating story. You and I have known each other for probably over a decade now, and it's just uh, every time I've been around you, I learn new things about you. And, of course, uh, love being around you for my love of baseball and everything. And uh, you've done a great job at the University of Memphis and other places as well. So, you know, Coach, we got a, a few questions, and we may lob a few, uh, shall I say, curveballs at you just so uh, we can uh, – have some fun this morning, but, you know, I'm really curious as a a former business owner, but also a big supporter of, uh, you know, college athletics and everything. You as a coach, what have you learned from student athletes in the way they approach the game? And second part, maybe a two-part question is how they use it uh, to approach life after baseball. I'm fascinated about that whole aspect of they're playing at one point, four years, giving it all they got, and then they got to go do something else for the most. Yeah, part. there's a you know for for most guys, Jay. Well, you know, ninety eight to ninety nine percent of them, there's an abrupt change in 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 how they're operating once graduation and eligibility, the end of eligibility hits. So they go from, I'm a I'm a college shortstop, I'm a college left fielder, I'm living the dream, I'm playing, I'm going to class, and all of a sudden, boom, separation, eligibility ends, graduation happens, and now they're sitting there looking at real life. And, uh, you know, you and I can remember back when we were 20, 21 years old and and state facing real life right in the face. Uh, I think today's athletes, you know, it's in, in correlation to business. There's so much baseball data. You know, you saw it starting in the major leagues three or four years ago where they start talking about launch angles and exit velocity and, and how hard balls are hit and. Uh, the, you know, the statistics that, that have changed, the OPS, the, you know, the, uh, my wife and I watched, uh, watched Moneyball last night, you know, it's an old, old movie, but we, and I've seen it several times, but we sit down and every time I watch that movie, I get, it triggers different thoughts, but these kids we're coaching today are measured by data and, and we have the ability now to collect so much data on how they play how hard they hit balls, how, how fast they throw, what their spin rates are when they throw a curveball. And what I've learned is the more data that we've been able to collect, uh, just like the business world, you, you spent years and years and years in building your business, collecting data and trying to make, allow data to, to, to lead you into your next decision. Where do we go? Where do we market? What, you know, how, what products do we handle? These kids are motivated by, by, uh, by measurement, being able to measure stuff. Measurement equals motivation. And I've learned that in the last five years. And I think that's going to correlate where they go in life. Uh, they're going to they're gonna sit back and they're going to measure where the next move of their life is. And then they're going to be motivated. I got several seniors and I got 13 seniors on this team and five or six of them have already accepted jobs. And they, and they wow. were very, very detailed in how they selected those jobs. So 
so the data collection I think is is good for learning how to teach the game a little bit now, but it's also uh, it's also making an impact on the next move they make because they're 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 strategically measuring what you know what direction they want to go in life and and uh, and that's good that's good I when I graduated I knew I wanted to coach but there wasn't there wasn't you know a handful of guys on my college team that knew they were going to go into coaching the rest of them were trying to figure things out and and take a job doing something that they know they're not going to be doing in five years from now I think these kids today have a little bit more direction that is fascinating you know I know when we were setting this up some people were saying well you're going to have a baseball coach on your business podcast. And I, I think the correlations, well, first off, you know, I, I'm a love of baseball and everything. And I obviously write books and have it as metaphors and everything. But what you just said, measurement, motivation, that's fascinating. I don't know if you remember a guy that used to be kind of the guru of business, Peter Drucker. Yeah, he, would, he would say stuff like the one quote I remember, and I think I'm going to get this right. You, you, uh, you can't manage it unless you measure it. So that's you right. measure and so that that's the whole thing. And, Gosh, you know what? I mean, a baseball team is kind of like, you know, managing a, a business and everything, isn't it? It is. Um, it, is. it is. You can tell, a, you know, you can tell a hitter, hey, uh, we want you to hit a ground ball. When, when we put a hit and run signal on, we need the ball hit on the ground. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. But in their mind, they're thinking, okay, if I really get this ball up in the air, can I really, instead of just moving a guy from first or third, can I hit it out of the park and, and, and and uh and score two runs uh the end result is if you hit a ground ball in a hit and run you will be 100 successful at the initial task required and that's that's measuring that now if you hit a ball that's not on the ground you might reach something special but the percentages tell you you're not so that's just a simple way of measuring data going sure. hey the data says when we start that run at first base if that ball's hit on the ground, they will not turn a double play. And that's and that's part of the goal of a hit and run is to stay out of a double play and maybe end up with runners on first and third if you can, if you're lucky enough. So Yeah, and I mean, it is. Maybe we're getting a little bit of philosophy here, but I think it's an interesting thing. People have asked me through the years, why do you put baseball in all your business books? Yeah. What, what is it, why is that guy doing And I said, well, if you stop and think about it, there's a lot of – there is a, a correlation. Like you've just been observing, Coach, and it's kind of like – one of the things I observed about in my business when I sold it, it was 23 years old. So it was not a, you know, rags to riches, quick kind of uh, uh, sale and everything or just yeah. growth. It was it was over time. And I think you watch a successful baseball team, hey, to win one game, to win one series, it takes time. It takes time to put the parts and the, and the uh, you have a lot of moving parts in a business and in a baseball team. And so I, I think that, you know, you're certainly a testimony to that. What I love, and I'll just make a, a little quick comment. We'll move to the next uh, question everything. What I really love and observe about your teams through the years, and like I said earlier, I think it's going back at least 10 years that I can remember, is how much respect that your players have for you as a baseball person and knowledge, but also when you, you know, kind of trigger in some of these life uh, type of philosophies and things, and you're coaching them on life, not just baseball, they listen to you equally as much. And I, I really was fascinated when I first, you know, you had me out to speak with the team, but I, I looked at those young people and I think that's really, uh, really neat. And I, I just admire you for that. So coach, how about this? How has your coaching philosophy and your approach changed over the years? 
because obviously, you know, NCAA athletics has changed immensely over the last few years. And are there any lessons in the way that you've had to make this, you know, business we call it pivoting? What about you? Well, what I've seen, Jay, is, uh, and, and, and by the way, I've read all of your books. They're fascinating. Uh, the fascinating thing about thank you about your books is, it, it, in a correlation to baseball, is there's ups and downs, okay? Very few guys start a business build a business and it, and it, it just, it reaches the pinnacle that yours did without, without a lot of speed bumps along the way. You, you, you went through and went and had to navigate some serious speed bumps through the way, same way a baseball career, same way a baseball game is. Uh, but what I've seen in coaching these guys and, and, and my goal was always, uh, I, I was very fortunate to be around some tremendous mentors. I know we're going to talk about them later, but uh, I gathered that from them that we, I have the attention of these guys because they they love baseball. They're interested in baseball, baseball's helping them get their education, all those things. And I think I'd be, uh, just, it'd be a total devastating failure if that all they got from us was baseball. So I, I, I kind of brought that into my coaching philosophy 37 years ago when I started coaching, uh, what I've seen in the most recent, say five to the last five to seven years is going from telling them this is what, how I want you to bunt, or this is how I want you to deliver this pitch to presenting different options. Research those options, the more trust that I, that I can exude on those players where I trust them to make decisions after we've given them information, the better they're going to perform. You, when you and I played, when you played at Christian brothers high school, our coach told us, this is how you bunt. This is how you, this is how you take your lead off of first. And there was no deviation in it. There's no deviation in it. Now there's different ways of doing things and you provide information and you say, I'll trust you to find a way. If they feel you trust them, just like your business. So if you, if you have your, your CEO, if you have a tremendous amount of trust in them, they're going to perform for you. And they, they, they know and they feel when there's real trust from the leadership to the worker. And that's kind of what, what I've done in the last five years is, is we've tried to trust these guys more and how much they hit on their off day, how much they, you know, how, how often they're getting in the weight room. You provide information that these are the benefits, but then you trust them to make the decision. And most of the time, the feedback and the, and the outcomes are a lot more positive. Oh, that's great. No, I, I and I've no. observed that, 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 that is really, uh, that's good stuff. So, you know, we, we did kind of touch on it briefly, but the mentors and things I know in my career, I've had some people that, you know, coach, I could not never have gotten off the ground, much less did, you know, some of the things we did and, and had some of the uh, success. I, I, I give a, a great deal of uh, credit to the people along the way that, you know, and I, and I think it's so important, as you mentioned in the new book and everything, I, you know, everybody needs a mentor. I don't care who you are, what you're doing in life. You know, baseball, business, whatever. You need uh, mentors. You know, uh, you've had a, a long and storied career. You 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 go way back in this game. And I, for all the listeners out there, I will tell you that I've, uh, gosh, how many have I done now? Five or six of these New York Yankee fantasy camps. And right. there are all these pros that are there that played, you know, ball for the Yankees and other teams, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, 30 plus. And I somehow when I, I get to talking to them, they said, how'd you get trained up for the camp? And I started telling them about University of Memphis, and I said, Darren Schoen Rock, and you, you know Coach Rock, it's like a repetitive thing. Everybody knew you through some connection, through a college, yeah. 
Georgia to Mississippi State to wherever else you coach, and obviously the University of Memphis. So along the way, a long career. How, how many years did you say? Thirty-seven. Well, this, this is thirty. Uh, this is eighteen as the head coach at Memphis, and thirty-seven years in college baseball this year. Okay, so, so a long yeah. time doing both things as assistants and then a head coach. But along the way, you know, we, we talk about mentors, but did, and I'd like to hear about who you really would identify to be mentors. Sure, but the other absolutely. thing I would ask is people that were naysayers that say, you know, you won't get there. You won't, whatever. I mean, I, sometimes I think they're almost as valuable as the people that say you can do it. Well, they're, they're, you know, when I'm meeting with our seniors now, Jay, and we, you know, I start doing some meetings with them in the fall of their senior year, knowing that the, that their time at Memphis is coming to an end. I always try to sit down with them in December and go, "Hey, what's next for you? You know, this is where I think you are as a player. What's next?" And so we try to help them, try to, you know, point them directions of internships and jobs, and and uh, and and a, and a few of them will sit down and go, "Coach, I want to coach college baseball. I want to get to where you're sitting right now." Or they, they, they will say more things like, I want to get to where Clay Green is right now. How do I get to be a hitting coach as soon as possible or the pitching coach or the infield coach with Ryan Huber? And can I do, you know, I said, well, that's not going to happen right away from you, you know, in June of this year of your senior year. There, there, here's, the, here's the starting process of getting into a college coaching career. I was fortunate when I finished playing at Tennessee Tech, my senior spring was 1984. And my coach I was playing for then, we didn't have a full-time assistant. He just had a graduate assistant every year to help him. And he asked me to stay on and help as the grad assistant for the following year. My original plans, I got my degree in secondary education, biology. I was going to go back to my hometown of Fayetteville, Tennessee, and I was going to teach at Lincoln County High School and coach football and baseball. And it was all mapped out and all planned. And uh, that an invitation to be a GA for him one, it said, okay, here's a chance to get your master's degree paid for. Let's take advantage of it. Okay, I'll do it. So I got into that. Absolutely loved it. My first fall, I was just a year older than some of these kids I was coaching, you know, and and fell in love with coaching the college game. And that led to uh, uh, taking a, a pitching coach job at Murray State under Johnny Reagan, who was kind of a, he was an ABCA Hall of Famer, uh, just unbelievable uh, on the national stage, Murray state had some outstanding teams back in the seventies and eighties when he was the head coach there. And he's since passed on, but, um, so that, that, that kind of launched me into the, the college side of coaching. And, and the, so for, so for three years after graduation, I was, a, I was a graduate assistant. I mean, making about $400 a month plus my tuition and living on that. My mom and dad helped, you know, when they could, when they needed to, but they said, Hey, learn to navigate through this. And my rent was a hundred dollars a month. My car payment was a hundred dollars a month and I had a $150 a month for food and gas. Okay. Wow. That was, that was, uh, that tells you about what, what 1984, 85, 86 were like. Uh, and, uh, and so I had a high school friend that went to Mississippi state to be a trainer, to be an athletic trainer. He played, I played football with him in high school. He was the baseball trainer at Mississippi State, and we were home at Christmas break one time. He said, hey, if you want to get into this college coaching thing, I need to hook you up with what's going on at Mississippi State now. This was right after the Will Clark and Rafael Palmero and the Thunder and Lightning, you know, and the 1985 team. I got invited down there to work a summer camp, and, I, and so I met Ron Polk, 
Brian Shoup and Pat McMahon. Pat McMahon was the pitching coach at the time. He's now with the New York Yankees as their Dominican. He he, he is their pitching coach in the Dominican. He's been with the Yankees for about 15 year, years now, probably. And uh, Pat had an unbelievable influence on me on how the, how the art of pitching was being taught at that time. And then Coach Ron Polk was like the Bear Bryant of college baseball back then. And, uh, and then their second assistant was Brian Shoup, who I later worked for at Birmingham Southern for eight years. When he left Mississippi State to go to Birmingham Southern, I was his, I was his assistant for eight years. So I got into that, that uh, Mississippi State coaching tree with those three guys, and that launched a career. You know, you come in business, you come across one person that, that impacts how you think or who you know, and it, it takes you a total different route. So I go home at, I go home at Christmas, uh, after working that camp in the summer of 1985. And then my mom and dad still at that time thought, well, he's getting his master's to go home and to, to come home and teach. I, I, I come home and Christmas one day and I said, Hey, I'm decided to give this college baseball thing a go. I know it's going to be tough to get, get in to where the salary is really significant for a while. I'm just going to have to eat a lot of cans of tuna and cans of beans in the process. <laughs> and I, I felt like mom and dad were totally supportive. They said, Hey, if you're going to do it, be a good one, you know? And, and, uh, sure. and those, so those three guys were, were very instrumental. Uh, then I went from Murray state to the head coach at Lincoln Memorial at age 24 after being a GA for three years. Now I'm a NAI small school head coach and, I was forced to make a lot of decisions, good or bad, on my own behind the desk by myself for a few years in a program that was, you know, trying to be an upstart program. And uh, I learned an awful lot in two years of failure there, Jay. I, I actually, a uh, little story is, and this tells you where, where Lincoln Memorial was at the time, that my second year there, we had a really good year. We recruited well. We made the conference tournament. Back then, you, only the top six teams out of a out of a ten team league made the conference tournament. So we made it. We finished in sixth place. I go into administration to say we made the conference tournament. Columbia, I mean uh, Cumberland College in Lebanon was hosting the tournament. I need to get some travel money and book a hotel for the conference tournament. They go, "What are you talking about? We don't have that in the budget. You can't. Uh, we haven't been to the conference tournament in seven years. We don't have we don't have money for this." And I was like, wait a minute, you're kidding me, right? No. <laughs> so we found the money. We found, and I realized then, like, holy cow, I don't know if they really understand what I'm trying to do here. We go to the conference tournament, we play well, we come home. Brian Shoup leaves Mississippi State to take the head coaching job at Birmingham Southern, who was a really, really committed program. He makes a phone call to me. I call him to congratulate me. He goes, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Well, I'm trying to, I'm going to see a donor here. I need $1,800 for a hotel bill. <laughs> and uh he said would you like to come to birmingham southern and i said i'll be there tomorrow so i went and joined him as the pit i left the head coach job, <laughs> went and got a full-time job as a pitching coach and stayed eight years and that launched me to kentucky to georgia to mississippi state to memphis so people you meet if it probably if it hadn't been for jim fair my good friend from high school to say come on down here if you want to see what what college baseball is all about come to start and work a summer camp that's kind of a pivotal thing that that really influenced my whole life. Wow, um, amazing! A small world it is, Coach, and I've, I don't think I've ever heard the Lincoln Memorial portion of your story. But when I had my business, Lincoln Memorial was actually one of our biggest accounts there for several years. How about and, that? Uh, 
they well, but the the ironic part about it, as I'll say this as uh, politically correct as I can, is that it was on the uh, the the reason why they became such a big account was they had one private donor who, yeah, you know, so that helped them a lot. But yeah. uh, it's yeah. fascinating that this area is just the way so many people, you know, it's like a big Memphis is a big small town, and I think some some of these states and adjoining things are the same kind of a situation. So for the listeners out there, you know, coach rock is, is getting ready to kind of wrap up the career at the university of Memphis. So, um, coach, I mean, a lot of years, a lot of memories, a lot of things, but particularly at the university of Memphis, when you look back on your career, what would you say would be your biggest challenges on and off the field? Well, you know, in our business, Jay, because of recruiting and the travel, you know, you think about college baseball, um, you start, you go through the fall with team practice and a lot of those fall practices involve weekend play because of class schedules. You know, if we're going to have a good uh, three hour inner squad, it almost has to be on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we do some during the week, but so you, you're busy a lot of weekends in the fall. Then you have a little Christmas break. We kind of shut down in December, uh, half of January, then January it picks back up. Um, and of course, team practice begins the beginning of February and you go from February until the end of May, where you are literally working seven days a week, three, yeah. you know, I mean, you're, you're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, play. uh, Monday is typically your off day. So balancing family and work is extremely important. And I've been very, very, very blessed that Carol uh, my wife and I married her my second year. I was at LMU. She's been by my side every, every year and understands. You never want to say, well, she gets it. Uh, she's a, she's the daughter of a former high school coach. So she's been around athletics her whole life. Um, you never want to say as ah, she gets it and take advantage of somebody that gets it. She understands how much my job takes me away from the home. Uh, and, and, you know, raising two sons in this environment. So, I've been fortunate that I've really integrated Carol and Brett and Eric into what I do. And so I've maintained balance at home and work. Not that I take work home and not that I take home to work, but intertwining the two, there's an awful lot of coaches that uh, have coached a long time that, that marriages have failed because they didn't understand balance. And, right. and, uh, and so I had, and, 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 you know, it stems back to the mentors I've had all of these men, Ron Polk, you know, Ron coach Polk was never married. Brian Shoup, tremendous man of faith and, and balance. Pat McMahon, tremendous man of faith and balance. Keith Madison of Kentucky, tremendous man of faith and balance all had very, very stable homes. And, and I saw them put their home at the focal point and their career second and, and, but learn how to navigate the two. That's one of the things that I'm that I'm proud of that I've learned that and I and I feel like I've done that. Uh, second thing is how how involved and how much I hear from former players. I don't do Facebook. Carol does. My wife does, and she every night. You know, all the players, former players that do Facebook, she gets all those messages to me, and uh, I don't really have I don't almost have don't have time to keep up with Facebook. But the number of former players that have reached out in this last year of my coaching career here from all the schools from Lincoln Memorial to Birmingham Southern Georgia that have that have found a way to 
contact me through Carol, through my wife's Facebook, it's just been incredible. And, uh, and so that's kind of cool to hear from those that they took the effort, not, not of, of being able to track me down through my wife. So that's, that kind of says, you know what, they took some effort to do. That's kind of cool that they, that they've oh, reached out. Of course it is. Yeah. So, um, that maybe, that maybe tells you that, Hey, we did make a little impact on some of these kids through the years. Sounds like that may have been the, the next question. You may have just answered a part of your career. You're proudest of, and boy, that's, that's a legacy that goes on and on with the players and, you know, them getting, uh, you know, communicating, uh, with you through Facebook. I mean, that's, that's just great and everything. I think it's, uh, that's a testimonial to the way you're approached to coaching. And then, and like I said, an earlier part of the interview and everything, I just, I've, I've been ahead of front row seat with these players to see how they react to you. And I just, I think it's wonderful. I, I, you know, it's funny. We learned this when we were in fantasy camp, you know, we always talk about this thing. We're a bunch of gray fat guys running around <laughs> acting like we play baseball, but we always talk about the fact that after that week, you know, nobody will remember how many games you won you know, uh, how many runs, hits, and all that stuff. It's just the people you meet. And I guess, you know, to, uh, the quote, of, I can't remember who had it, but it's like the feeling you have when you leave and everything. And I think that the feeling that those players have had for playing for you has just, uh, you know, and as a fan and an alum of the University of Memphis and everything, it just, I, I, that, that's got to make you feel good. That's just got to make you really uh, feel like it's been all worth it with all the struggles, all the, being away sure. from your family and, you know, the ups and downs and wins and losses and this and that battle, uh, uh these other teams, but it's got to make you feel good that you kind of look back on all that time and Hey, yeah, I did that's, good. Yeah. That, that's, that's a very, very enjoyable part. You know, and, and, and when you, when you start a business and you, you come in contact with people along the way and, and good or bad, uh, you, you learn through every situation and I've learned through, every situation that's come up good or bad in my coaching career on maybe making a little better decision the next time you're faced with that. And that's, I think the players recognize that. I think, Hey, you know, there's certain shortcomings that we face at Memphis. Uh, Coach rocks learn how to navigate through some of those shortcomings and still make this four year window that I'm here, make it pretty special for me. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it's, it's, it's really neat. You know, I've been in, I've been in players weddings. I've been in, it's been, you know, we've got a shoebox just crammed full of wedding invitations I've kept through the years. And it's been <laughs> incredible the number of the number of lives that you really get involved with through this, through this. Yeah, this absolutely. Well, I know, you know, is, uh, the wonderful events have been part of your career and everything. And I, I know, of course, having been around you for a while here that you've also had to deal with some very heartbreaking things that have happened to players and, and staff and everything. And, uh, because you do get close to people i'm sure that's been a challenge as well and uh but it but it's good to have that shoebox full of those uh it is invitations and stuff huh it is it's it's, it's very good uh you know it, it, yeah there's good and bad and and you share and all that with guys i mean and and you build a relationship with them while they're here so that when a good thing happens you can reach out and they they know you're genuine but when something unfortunate happens you can reach out and they really know you're genuine about it and that's uh uh, that's the that goes back to the balance that we talk about is learning these teaching these kids that there are going to be hardships in life and you got to work through them and you got to balance through them and you know that in in the business world the number of hardships you've gone through uh just to keep keep plugging forward in life keep taking that next step well you know yeah i think it's absolutely like i said i mean that what you're doing in the years of, of the 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 players you know playing for you and 
you're giving them lifetime skills. So here's the curveball, coach. Okay. It's not on the list, but I'm okay. just a, as a goofy sports fan and a fan of college athletics, twofold kind of question. Maybe you could consider it one. What do you really feel like the impact of this image and likeness and transfer portal? What is going on? Uh, you know, I don't work for the media. This is just a fun show, but I am, yeah. as a fan, greatly troubled by what I see. So I'm really curious as, the, you know, a, a coach of a D1 program that, you know, you guys get exposed to just like every other sport and maybe the activity level is different from the other sports but what do you think about this image likeness and this transfer portal thing well first of all i don't i don't think jay i don't think the ncaa had any idea of the ramifications of these two decisions i don't think they uh, the, the transfer portal thing came about because there's so many college basketball players transferring and when 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 technically you could not transfer and be eligible immediately, but they were, there were so many appeals on the desk of the, everybody had a, my, my, my cousin is sick. I'm going back there. Uh, uh, you know, there was so many, there was a stack of appeals on the desk, three or 400 every year. I'm, I'm appealing, you know, this transfer. And some of it was because my coach got fired and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go somewhere, uh, so the portal came about because of the number of appeals. The NIL came about because of the, the money that, you know, somebody sat back and took a hard look at the money these universities were making off certain athletes and the, and the athletes kind of said, we want a piece of this. Uh, it was originally set up to where, yeah, you could get $15 when somebody sold one of your jerseys. If they sold the jersey for $40 in the bookstore and, and it cost 25 to make it, you could get $15, you know, that was kind of how it was set up. What it's blossomed into is going to create an unbelievable separation in college athletics. What you're going to see in the next four to five years is an is a unbelievable separation between the SEC and, and the haves and the, between them and the mid-majors. And, and uh, there will be, they're going to break off. I'm telling you, they're going to break off. They're going to form their own entity. They're going to build a bubble around who they are, and it's going to become just a – a, a minor league for for the NFL, a minor league for MLB, and a minor league for you know you may see you may see 40, uh, 40 division one teams that are going to move forward and upward because of NIL money, and you're going to see the rest of the schools kind of get left behind, and yeah. we're going to be left to fend for ourselves. You know, there's some college there's some college baseball programs now in this country that I can speak of where every player on that roster is regardless of the scholarship they're on, some are on a lot, some are on a little, some are on none. The, every player on that roster is getting 14 to 15,000 a year because somebody said they drink Gatorade and I'll put it on Twitter and Gatorade's paying them. So they, they, they blanket, they're using it for recruiting and that's not the intended person, you know, reason or the, that's not the intended purpose of NIL money. It's entered into the recruiting realm now is who's going to cut me the biggest NIL deal along with the scholarship. So it's, it's, uh, it's disheartening for athletes. And, and as yeah. an outgoing, as an outgoing coach, I can speak candidly about that, that I'm not a fan of it at all. Uh, it's not the way college athletics was set up, but it's unfortunate. It's the times we're living in right now. Well, yeah, I just, the word that keeps coming back to me is disappointing. And, you know, yeah. I, I rooting for a team and, you know, supporting them through and, 
God willing, you know, that these players will be around for several years. And, you know, it's just, uh, boy, this good interview could go on a long, long time discussing that in Absolutely. more detail. But anyway, let, let's go back to something more, I guess, on a positive level. I think you've already answered this question, Coach. But, you know, in your mind, um, you know, how could baseball skills translate to business success? We kind of covered that, I think, already maybe. Uh, but if well, you want to add anything to that, yeah, you, you know, when you when you when you're building a business, you know, how many times did Jay did you say, I think this is the right thing to do. Let's let's try this, and you figure out in the first three four steps, they go, oh, that's probably not right. We gotta we gotta recalculate. We gotta reverse. And we gotta try something different. You know, and you and you know, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like that those, those, those vacuum cleaners that you have, those automatic vacuum cleaners you put on the carpet. Now they travel around and when they bump into something, they, they log it into memory. It gets put in the chip and they go, okay, there's a wall there, or there's a door frame there. Right. And then, and the more they navigate around that room, the more they know to avoid those areas. And, right. and, and so they've been, and the end result is the goal is to get the carpet clean. Right. But they know I can't keep bumping my head against this wall. Um, coaching baseball that there's there's similar things it's there's three things that you do when you want to make a change in something uh, an activity a mechanic a swing a delivery is you got to know when to start you got to know when to stop you got to know what, what to start doing something you got to know when to stop doing something and you got to know when to recalculate and that's those three things are constantly in play uh in coaching skills and uh and, and then the big, big part of this thing now is the coaching the mental game is really can you get in between the ears of a player and make them believe in themselves, make them trust who they are, trust in the coaches. But but the big thing is uh, help them know when to start doing something, when to stop doing something, and when to recalculate or, or try something different. Uh, and, and that's that's built on trust. Um, that's a uh, it's an unbelievable thing. And, and the the what I've seen, you know, my coaching staff is a little bit unique, and that we're all a little bit older than a lot of Division One staffs around the country. There's not many sixty year olds that are Division One head baseball coaches. It's it's a young man's game. Yeah. And and I understand that. So so finding ways to connect with these guys is becoming more challenging. But the end result is. The, the 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 bottom line is how much can you feel like they trust what you're doing and our guys do they trust what this coaching staff is doing for them in spite of us being a little bit on the older side compared to, to a lot of division one staffs uh but uh but just navigating those speed bumps and knowing how to you know when that little vacuum cleaner hits that door frame that it doesn't go back to that door frame the next time it, it logs into memory that that was a stop stopping point don't go there again, go somewhere else. And that's, that's kind of what, what, what coaching is and building a business is, is, is learning those, those, where those speed bumps are. Oh, absolutely. That's great. You know, and I know myself, uh, you know, when I wrote that first book, keep swinging, it was like, yeah. you know, it was a lot about overcoming adversity, but you know, it, it did make me think, you know, I was trying to come up with the title. It's like, it, just like in baseball, you get up there and <clears throat> maybe you strike out, you know, and maybe you strike out a couple of times, but, there's always another at bat out there. There's another swing in it and you just have to hang in there and you got to hang in there with the baseball team. You got to hang in there with business. And, uh, you know, you just, you've just done a great job with that. So coach, um, we're going to wrap this up in a little bit here. Got a couple other questions for you. Um, 
what's on the horizon for you? Uh, what, what are you looking to do uh, next? Uh, coach, well, a fantasy camp team possibly down hey, the hey, that, and Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I still got a little connection with the White Sox, so who knows? Um, because I did, I did a couple years in the White Sox organization, but but you know, I, I don't know yet, Jay. I'm, I'm when this decision was made, I, I made a conscious effort to not ever let these players in this locker room feel like I'm, I'm already checked out and I'm already on to next, next challenge. So I've purposely kind of said, Hey, I'm not going to do any interviews. I'm not going to do any, I'm just kind of locked into this team. I'll see where it goes when it goes there. I do have a meeting with our administration next week. Um, I don't know what the chances are of staying on, you know, in some capacity at Memphis. One of the things I do know is that I want to be totally out of the way of the new coach, you know, especially because there's going to be some, some of my former players still on the team next year. So creating separation from what he's trying to do with that team and that program next year, that'll be a key. If I'm still around the university of Memphis, I hope to be, but it hasn't been portrayed to me yet. And, uh, uh, but, but administratively, uh, but I, I think I have some things to offer from an administrative standpoint, whether it's orchestrating or, or, or helping with facility enhancement, mentoring younger coaches, uh, how to organize and operate events, uh, whether it's at Memphis or at a high school, I don't have a burning desire to go be a head coach somewhere next year, whether it's high school or another college. Uh, I, I, I think, the, the time frame of me being a head coach is, is going to be passed, but offering help and mentoring. I've had a few people, and I was just go ahead and say, I've had a few people in the SEC that have reached out to me about, hey, would you be interested in joining the staff in some capacity next year? I've got a lot of friends in the business, and uh, that that might be an option. Carol and I love living here in, in Memphis now. We, we, you know, we, this is, this is home for 18 years, and I, you know, fully plan on this remaining home. My son's a head coach at the junior college here. I'd love to have a chance to see his team play. Uh, so I don't know to answer your question. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what the next chapter is. We'll figure that out as we go. I put a lot of faith and trust that the Lord's going to direct me somewhere. And I've done some interesting things this spring. I, I've, I've poured into the book of Proverbs and I've never done that in my life. Um, I always thought Proverbs was just a all right, here's a set of rules. Here's a set of do's and don'ts that, that, that God has handed down to us. But the more you study Proverbs, it is, it is a life lesson of King Solomon pre presenting to his son how to live a life. Uh, and, and the main thing in life is to pursue wisdom in spite of anything you do, money you make, games you win, players you send to the big leagues, uh, businesses that you sell. If you spend every day just pursuing wisdom, pretty general statement, but if you spend every day pursuing wisdom, and uh, you're going to come out where you should. And that's what I've done this spring is I've just tried to pursue wisdom. And through that study of Proverbs, it's interesting. It's uh, you, read a, you read a verse of Proverbs every day, or, I mean a chapter, and then you pick out a verse in that chapter and you and a, and a, and a counterpart, you and a, and a and a partner are sharing what verse jumped off the page at you. So you got a series of texts going on. So there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in a month. So it's pretty, been pretty interesting. I've done it twice now. I've done it the last two months. And every time you read it, you get something different. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just, 
I'm pursuing wisdom now and just kind of kind of like, Hey, where do I end up next? Who knows? <laughs> Who yeah, knows? I, I got you. Uh, no, I think that's great. And, and you know, it sounds like you put some thought into it and you know, I'm, you're, you're a winner. I'm sure whatever you choose to do, you'll be successful at it. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not ready to, Carol's not going to let me go to the rocking, rocking chair on the back porch yet. I can't do that. So, gotta, <laughs> uh, but, but we'll have fun doing something. That's for sure. Well, uh, yeah. And so I can, if, uh, offline, I will tell you that, yeah, you need to make sure you have some things to do. Otherwise, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, that could get a little uh, crazy on you, but well, I've admired that about you is that how you have just stayed so, uh, involved in the retirement, you know, involved with our team. And, and it's awesome to see you show up at Clearwater, watch us play. And, you know, Carol and I spent some time with you and Maureen, you're, you're, I, I kind of envy how much you're enjoying this retirement thing. Um, uh, and I got to try to find a way to do that. And also, you know, what I, I do, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention whether you want me or not, want me to or not, is how much support you've been to, to me and our program, you know, emotionally, uh, as a fan coming to games and also helping me enhance facilities there through some very generosity, very, uh, a large amount of generosity. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that to, to you, not, not to, not to, you know, put you on the spot or anything, but, uh, but we really appreciate your support of our program. Glad to do it, coach. I believe in, you know, you and the program and you've done a great job and, uh, you know, of course the love of the game and everything. And, uh, if I might just offer a career possibility for you being a very loyal Christian brothers, high school alum, uh, that you, yeah. one of your former assistant coaches is over yes. there doing a pretty good guy, uh, really good, good job over there, Jason Mott. But, you know, I think, He's the kind of guy that can always use uh, uh, help from anybody. So I'd love for you to help them, uh, Jason, and build another state championship winner over there because uh, that's, that's kind that's, of the that's way a we roll. Possibility. Jason and I are very <laughs> close. And he is doing phenomenal things over there. And those kids have to be just so fortunate to play for him. You know, just loving. I know how he was with our players. And in our level, the travel kind of, he like, he came up to me after that year and goes, man, I, I, I don't need to travel like this anymore. He's got young kids and yeah. I'm so happy that worked out for him and for Christian brothers. That's an awesome connection. Well, I'm going to lobby and say, we need you in Memphis. Christian brothers high school needs you. Whether anybody else says it, Jason says it, I'm lobbying. So hopefully you'll, <laughs> you'll put that in your considerations. So we'll wrap this up coach with a couple of little uh, things here. Um, in terms of, you've already kind of answered it, but how do you hope your legacy, particularly university of Memphis is going to be defined? And the second part of the question is, you know, leave us with a piece of advice for college students out there that maybe never want to play any kind of sports or just advice in general. So the legacy and then the advice. Well, the, the legacy, I hope, you know, when I came, I, the program wasn't in terrible shape. It wasn't, it wasn't in the, you know, we were in conference USA at the time. Uh, when, and there was some really good baseball being played in conference USA, but, but my goal when I came was I want to leave the program whenever that, whenever I do leave, I didn't know when it would be, uh, you know, the, the original plan was, Hey, I may be here four years. I may be here 40. I didn't know. Um, but leave the program better when you, when you walk away than it was when you, when you found it, it wasn't in terrible shape, but I really feel like we're leaving it in better shape. And I feel like I've accomplished that goal. What that means is, uh, how the program is operating. You know, we have enhanced facilities, our graduation rate, our GPA, our involvement in the community. It's been an, it's been an unbelievable, our, our kids do, they have learned how to give back so much. And that's one of the things I really 
tried to stress through, you know, our big thing has been the Ronald McDonald house. We've done an awful lot with them and, and with the, uh, there's a number of things, the down syndrome, uh, of Memphis group. And so I've, I feel like we've, we've learned, we've taught the players how to give back and we left the program in a better shape. Uh, and the, and the, the second thing is, can I really say that I impacted these guys? If, um, five or 10, I call it the 10 year rule. If you're not, uh, in a different place in your life, 10 years after you graduate, than you would have been if you hadn't have played, then I failed you as a coach. And that means career that you're in, you might still be playing the game. Who knows uh, your, your family life, your marriage, what kind of father you are, all those things. If, if, if I feel like when, when, when somebody comes back to me after being gone for 10 years and, and I hear from them all the time, uh, and and I hear a thank you, coach. After ten years, and I know I've I got to you while you were here, and that's that's been the goal. That's been the goal, and it's been the goal, Jay, because that's the kind of guy I played for. David Mays at Tennessee Tech. We still talk. I mean, and it's amazing. He's uh, he's still, you know, every time I drive by Cookville, Tennessee, I got to try to find a way to stop and see coach. And uh, and uh, and then the the coaches that I was under, Keith Madison, and he texts me every day now. My, my former boss at Kentucky, we communicate every day. Uh, when we were, when our team went down and played it at Sanford uh, this earlier this year, Brian Shoup came over and did our team chapel for us at the hotel. Wow. And so just things like that. Coach Polk and I talk every three or four weeks. Um, so leave an impact, uh, maintain communication with people that were important to you. That's, that's the gist of it because they're not going to be here forever. We're not going to be here forever. And, uh, so that's been, uh, that's been a, the joy of my career. The wins and losses are, are, they are what they are. They're real. You know, we, unfortunately we're in a, we're in a business where evaluation on Twitter and social media and the world and the press and the news evaluation is strictly how, I, how many games I win and how many games I lose. I understand that that's the world's evaluation. And, and I've learned through the years that that's, that that's what drives us economically but it's not what drives me internally. And uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, mine, I feel like I've maintained what drives me internally. I've I've kept to my core values through the years because of the people I I got to work under earlier. That's great stuff. Uh, I will make a quick comment uh, through the years and everything and seeing what's happened out there for all the listeners out there. We're going to wrap this show up, but I will say this, that the facilities in the university of Memphis baseball, uh, program have improved way beyond dramatically because uh, i can remember the days the field was even a high school team didn't want to play on it and then the the uh, uh facilities for the batting cages and the different things the babe howard complex and fedex's involvement fedex field and it's just it's wonderful new uh turf to come out and and scoreboards and all those things and you know coach i'll just say this much you know that I, you're a credit to the game of baseball, you're a credit to the University of Memphis. You've developed some really good baseball players, but I think across the board, you've developed some even better people through the years. And I appreciate that. I I, uh, I admire you for that. That's going to uh, wrap it up for for this uh, uh, session or whatever uh, episode of Extra Innings. Uh, appreciate everybody listening in, and thanks, Coach, again for the interview. Thanks, Jay. Make sure when you come to Clearwater, you bring your glove and spikes because we may need to pinch hit you. 
Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I'll be able to use you as a pinch runner, but we'll, we, we can put you in the batter's box. I so. can still hit it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, uh, well, I enjoyed it, and thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. All right. To learn more about Jay Myers or his podcast guests, visit www.jmyersceo.com.